Hi, welcome to Financial Education for the Nation. I'm here today with the lovely Paul. How are you doing, Paul? I'm good, thanks, Warren. How are you? Very good, thank you, very good. I was better earlier in the week, I must confess. I had the best week ever this week. Um, end of last week and this week, the sky was blue. It was lovely and warm. I even had shorts on for part of it. Um, it felt like summer. You know, the season seems to have changed. It's a little cloudy today. It's not too bad, um, but I've just put my pullover on because I was getting a bit chilly. I sat in a t-shirt. So, well, now you've put the uh, the mental image of, of your legs in shorts into everyone's minds. I think we better we better crack on with the financials. <laughs> That'll turn everyone off, won't it? Turn everyone off. <laughs> and we've got we've got an, Im- an important topic today, which is about financial foundations and protections, because it's very easy to go through life and not really consider most of us are going to be quite lucky and nothing too crazy is going to happen. But things can happen, and life can happen, and and it might be accidents. It could be other things. And it's important, and I know financial foundations are a, a big part of the money plan and, and your program for financial freedom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the financial foundations come into step three. So after we know what it is we want and we're organized, we move on to step three, which is uh, financial foundations and the house of wealth. There's In the book, there's a picture of it. And the, the, the house of wealth came from a group that I was a part of back in the 90s that we did financial seminars and we wanted a method to explain what it was all about, a picture to summarize everything. It's a nice, simple summary. And if I try to explain the House of Wealth to you all, the House of Wealth basically has foundations. And the foundations, there are eight foundations. Three are essential, five are optional. So we've covered the three essential ones dozens of times, emergency cash, wills, and lasting power of attorneys. That's not for today's uh, recording. The five optional ones are, and that's the one I want to spend a bit of time on today. So we're going to go what the five optional ones are, and we're going to cover those and see how important they are for each individual. Some of you, they will be essential for. Others won't need them at all. And that's why we call them optional foundations. Okay, great. So what's the first of the five then? So we've got the three essentials done. What's the first one that we should be The first one we talk about is life assurance. Okay, so life cover. And when we talk about life cover, what we're looking at is we're insuring a risk. So if you were to die, what would happen financially to your family unit? Now, if you're a single person in a rented house with no debts, you probably don't need life cover. And I say probably because obviously it's a generalization, isn't it? I'm talking to hundreds of viewers. So you probably don't need life insurance. But if you're a married, in a married or in a, in a relationship, and in the event of you dying, you leave somebody behind who's going to be financially disadvantaged, be that because there's a mortgage in place or be that because of your loss of income, then you should consider life insurance. I'm not saying you have to have it, but you should consider it. And as a general rule of thumb, we talk about two different types of policy. We talk about a mortgage protection policy, which covers your mortgage debt. And that's basically a term assurance policy. It starts off with the balance of your mortgage. And as you pay your mortgage off every month or every year, the balance reduces over time so that when you get to the end of your mortgage term, let's say in 20 years' time or 25 years' time, the life assurance value is zero, but hey-ho, so is the mortgage balance. And that's generally the cheapest way of protecting a mortgage, using a mortgage protection policy. It's also known as a decreasing term assurance because the policy decreases over the term of the plan. 
And again, the term of the plan could be anything, whatever your mortgage term is, but the value starts off with mortgage balance and reduces over time. Do the premiums decrease? No, the premiums generally stay the same, but they're costed accordingly. They're averaged out. So you can also arrange this policy on what you call a level term basis. So if you had an interest-only mortgage, with an interest-only mortgage, you only pay the interest every month. You don't pay the capital back. So that balance is always going to stay the same. So we'd want a level term insurance in that case. Those premiums are higher because they know in 15, 20 years' time, you're still going to have the same amount of cover. So yeah. what they do is they reduce that, they discount the premiums for it. And the gap, generally speaking, you'd go for a guaranteed premium. So the premium stays the same, but the cover reduces. But it's going to be a lot cheaper than the level term. That's generally the case for a um, mortgage protection. But then obviously, don't just think about the mortgage. The mortgage is gone. You've still got the bills to pay. And the running costs of the house, including all the utilities, the council tax, the food shopping, everything else is quite considerable. So we, we then need to have some kind of life cover payable to replace the loss of income. And there's lots of ways that you can calculate this. Um, I had someone the other day ring me up and say, Look, I need to raise some life insurance. I've listened to another financial advisor's podcast and he suggested, I think it was like 10 times my income. I'm like, where did he get that from? Well, you know, it's just plucked it out of the air. The problem having a lump sum of money payable to, to cover your income in the event of you dying is that the beneficiary, typically the spouse, husband or the wife, has to then invest that money or have that money to provide an income. Well, unless they're experienced investment managers or they want to start working with a financial planner, I'm not so convinced that's the right method you can arrange a policy called a family income benefit plan. And what that simply means is in the event of you dying, it pays out a regular payment every month for the rest of the policy term. But if you spoke to most people at home, you know, if your husband or your wife died and you had to re receive some money, what would you rather do? A regular tax-free payment every month to replace our income or a lump sum of money. Although, egotistically it'd be quite nice to say well it'd be nice to have a few hundred thousand or a million pounds actually security wise having a regular sum of money paid just like your salary check would and it can go up in line with inflation is a much safer simpler worry-free way of doing it so okay. for loss of income family income benefit policy by far i believe outweighs anything else simple it's cheaper and there's no investment risk needed. You, you know, they take care of itself. What happens if you pass away, that money will get paid immediately on evidence of death certificate every month, tax-free to the recipient for the remainder of the policy term. And then it finishes. Okay, so that's life cover. And, and as you said, should be, should be considered by most of us from the sounds well, of that. Yeah, if we're gonna leave, yeah, if we're going to leave some kind of dependence behind this too. There's a couple of nuances that I just want to make sure we highlight. Um, do we arrange a joint policy or do we arrange individual policies? Obviously, a joint policy is going to be less expensive, but not that much less. As a general rule of thumb, we suggest people arrange individual policies. And there's a couple of reasons for that. We can individualize the benefit. So, for example, the main earner might need more cover on their life as opposed to the person who earns less money. There's less risk there, okay? So we can advise it. Um, but also, which is a really important point, is the benefits on an individual policy can be payable into a trust. And the benefit of the benefits being payable into trust is the benefit payout can be speeded up, if that's lang British, English language, that they can be paid quicker. 
because it's just paid on an evidence of a death certificate rather than waiting for probate to be granted in the event of a state need to be wound up. So in the event of a second claim, if two people are there, two individual policies generally be a little bit more expensive but not double the price, but you can tailor the benefit, so actually you might get it to the same price, and they could be paid in trust. It's a lot more efficient way of doing it. Also, remember, on second death, these policies potentially could be in this state. So if husband and wife or couple die together, um, you had all these policies paid into the estate, they could become taxable for inheritance tax. So two individual policies payable into trust is a, is a very efficient way of doing it. You've got things like guaranteed premiums or reviewable premiums. Generally speaking, try and go for guaranteed premiums. We don't often see insurances come down in price over time cost inflation everything goes up so if we can fix the cost now guarantee the rate uh, for the rest of the term that's a better way of doing it um, and then there's this small add-on called waiver of premium now waiver of premium is insurance that you can take out that's added to the premium and in the event of you being unable to work through accident or sickness not unemployment generally but accident or sickness it will waive the premium you don't have to pay it so if you're if you go through a prolonged period of illness whereby you're sick before you pass away and you can't pay the premiums because of affordability, having waiver of premium on there will mean the premiums are waived and therefore get paid on your behalf so that in the event of you passing away, the policy is still live and it can become payable. Generally speaking, that's a good option to have on there. So individual policies, guaranteed premiums, waiver of premium included, and decreasing term insurance for a mortgage or mortgage protection policy is the same thing and family income benefit for loss of income. All right, great, really good overview and, and quite a lot there that I don't think would be obvious to, to myself, the average man and woman on the street. There's, there's more to think about there than, than perhaps meets the eye. Absolutely, and if you're looking for a quote on that, obviously there's dozens of places out there in the marketplace to do quotes now online. You can go to Lexo now, we're just integrating an online quote system. So you can fill out a form, send it off to us, we can give you a price on that. And because we know what we're saying here, we can then tailor it to how you want it. So we can include all those extra little benefits as well. Fantastic, great place okay. to start. Okay, okay so that, that's, our, that's our first of the five optional foundations life cover. Number two. Okay, income protection or disability insurance. Okay, so this is basically, I work, I go to work every day, I earn my living, oops, I can't go to work. Long-term sick, disability, I have an accident, I can't go into work. It could be something minor, like I've broken a leg and I'm out of work for a period of time, or it could be something more serious where I'm in a hospital having treatment and I just can't go to work. So if you're unable to work through accident or sickness, it's not redundancy, it's accident or sickness, the policy will pay a tax-free income to replace a portion of your income. Okay. okay. So if we're, at, for example, we earn £100 a month, typically these policies pay anything out between 50 and £75 a month. So between 50 and 75% of the income that you earn. There's okay. a waiting period, so a period before it becomes payable, and you can get that as low, I think there are actually some day one policies, but typically four weeks is the shortest you'll see it. Um, more generally it's three months, six months, or sometimes it's a year. And what we generally say to people is you coincide this with your emergency reserve. Remember we say have a thousand pounds whilst you've got debts. So in that instance, you might want maybe a shorter period, deferred period. But once your unsecured debts have gone, you can increase your emergency reserve from three to 12 months. And that would depending on how you felt as an individual. 
or you would coincide the deferred period of this policy with your emergency reserve. If you've got six months expenditure in cash, well, actually a six months policy would kind of make sense. Um, it, so it becomes payable after that deferred period and it then pays out every single month until you either return to work or the end of the policy term, which generally speaking is retirement. We generally have it running all the way through to retirement. Okay, who should consider this? Who, who's it for? Again, this would actually be possibly for a wider audience because if you're a single individual with no dependents, hang on a sec, if you can't work, you've got no one to rely on. You've got no one to help you out with the bill. So it's even more important for you. Um, you might be a, a young single guy or single girl going out and enjoying themselves, enjoying life before you settle down. But hey, if something went wrong, you need some kind of insurance. So that would be really important for you. Flip side, you're in a relationship with children. Well, actually, you've got other people to look after as well financially. So it's really important to them. So most people will need to consider this. Now, if you're employed, particularly if you're employed by a larger organization, most larger organizations will give you this insurance as part of your employment package. Okay. Now, it does depend on the type of work you do. More ma um, manual type work um, generally doesn't get looked after as well as more executive type roles. But look at your contract of employment, see what you have. Sometimes they will include this policy all the way into your retirement. Sometimes they'll offer you it for a year. Well, if they offer it for you for a year, then you would take a policy out that comes payable after a year. And the longer the deferred period, the cheaper the premiums are going to be. Yeah. So it's really okay. about doing that way. And again, if you need help on this, give us a shout. We can help you out with the making sure we tailor it and customize it so it suits your needs. Okay, great. All right, so uh, on to number three. So number three in the equation would be critical illness cover. Okay? okay, critical illness cover comes in number three rather than earlier. And the reason being is I believe the first two are more important. And I generally say to people, although critical illness is a fantastic, absolutely brilliant policy, let's get your unsecured debt paid off before we start taking it out as a general rule. Okay, so uh, first two you should take out straight away if they're required. The third one, critical loans cover, let's get your unsecured debt paid out because what you're doing is you're paying money on insurance policies, which really you could be directing on paying those credit cards and loans off, okay? Now, a critical illness policy basically becomes payable on diagnosis of a critical illness. So there are dozens of different types of critical illness. The, the, the list is what endless. In the book, I actually list them all down. Um, and the policy becomes payable on diagnosis of it. So it could be something very, very minor or it could be something catastrophic. And it pays out either, just like the life cover did, either a lump sum of money, or you can get it payable as a family income benefit, so it pays it out monthly. Okay, so it's complex. Generally speaking, people have this as a lump sum of money, and often they'll consider having their mortgage repaid if they've got diagnosed with a critical illness, so their mortgage or their debts are covered. Uh, sometimes that's too expensive and they would just go for a fixed amount, maybe 50 or 100,000 pounds, depending on how that, what their budget allows. So there's okay. no, no right or wrong in doing this. It's just really, if you were diagnosed with a critical illness, what would you want to happen? And it's really, and I talk about this quite intensively in the book, it's really about you know, your own personal circumstances. What would you want to happen? Would you like your, all your debts paid off and some money left over so you can go and do things? Or sometimes people say, well, actually, no, if I had 100,000, I think I could go and get some really good private medical treatment for that um, and I can go off either to Europe or even into the UK and get treated that way well sometimes it's about adapting the home the family home putting things in place so that I can now live better with the condition that I've been diagnosed with okay 
Okay. So um, fixed term policy, and it pays out tax free. Okay. Um, and you've just mentioned treatments there, and I think that takes us on to the, the fourth one. It does. So the, yeah, absolutely. You, you're right on the ball. You, you've read the book, Paul. Brilliant. The four, <laughs> the four of the foundations is private medical insurance. Now, private medical insurance is a contentious point. You know, people have emotions about this. When I talk to clients about it, and we have some very wealthy clients who do not want private medical insurance because the NHS has done a fantastic job looking after them since they were born, and they don't see the need for it. Whereas we have other people who are maybe just starting out in their business who are you know, making ends meet, if I'm honest. They don't have lots of money left over. But for them, it's a real priority because if they were diagnosed with an illness or there was something wrong with them, they would want to make sure that they had treatment quickly, get it resolved, and then they're able to go back to work quicker. Peace of mind, say it's been sorted out. Okay. Okay. So particularly, particularly valuable potentially for self-employed people. This one, then. I, I yeah, I, I think so. I, I definitely. Again, I say I think it's really an individual thing and what your values are. Um, some people will say it as an essential part. Other people will say, well, actually, do you know what? I would rather do other things with my money and rely on the NHS because I pay my tax and national insurance towards that. And there's no right or wrong. It's not right for me to say you need this, but it's right for me to say. This is available. Let's consider it. Um, and, and if you work for a bigger employer, sometimes they offer this as part of a package, employment package. And if you get that benefit, it then becomes a benefit in kind. So you just pay the tax on the premium as opposed to paying the premium. So that's quite a nice little extra to have there. Um, the claims process for private medical insurance, if people aren't aware of it, is you typically always go to your GP. Your GP would then refer you to a specialist. And at that stage, you can say, well, I have private medical insurance. They say, well, that's fine. You can go and see the specialist on these days of the week. They work out this hospital. And generally speaking, the, the waiting time is significantly reduced. I think the NHS do a fantastic job at treatments, particularly when it comes to things like, excuse me, cancers and things. They get you in very quickly. But sometimes if it's not so um, uh, severe or significant, I guess the right term would be, the waiting time could be several months. And we have the same example with my wife, Nikki. She was referred and the waiting time was going to be several months. When we explained it, we had private medical insurance. It was days almost. It was within two weeks, I think. So um, you often see the same individual, okay? So they're not special doctors often. They're, they're the same doctors. They just have dual authorization. They work in the NHS some days a week and private practice others. So um, generally speaking, the medical care is no better. Um, obviously you often get treated in a separate ward or a separate hospital. So it's sometimes nicer, quieter, and your family can stay around a little bit longer. Um, the other way of getting treatment is through the accident emergency. So you have an accident in the, the car accident or something goes, you go to A and E, um, they put you through and when, when they discharge you, put you on the ward, is at that stage you would then go to a private ward. Whether you have private insurance or not, you generally still go through the A and E system. And with the policy, you generally have an excess, and that's the amount of money that you will pay before the claim settled, just like a car insurance or any other general insurances. Um, and as a rule of thumb, we generally say to people, consider an excess of around £250. Um, and the reason for that is that's generally what a consultant's fee might be for the first consultation. So you would pay for that, and then everything else is covered. And the reason we want an excess there is the higher the excess, the lower the premium. Yeah, and it also puts you off claiming for minor treatments. Silly, 
I say silly little things, on the basis of with claims, the premium's going to go up. So every year, this policy, the premiums are going to rise because you're getting older. And if you claim, they'll rise even more. Okay. okay. Um, and then that brings on to the fifth one, which is also a general insurance. Um, and that's your other household general insurances. Things like your house contents, your buildings insurance, your travel insurance, and your car insurance. They're generally the, the four or the five that most people have got. And with these, what I generally say to people is, it, it's not a fun thing to do, but check the policy wording. Just have a read through, even if it's the summary sheet, to make sure you feel you are uh, sufficiently insured. So many people are underinsured. And unfortunately, this, particularly for contents, <clears throat> this doesn't come to light, unfortunately, until the event of a claim. So pay, by paying a little bit more to make sure all your contents are insured. Um, also, if you have valuable items that you take away from the home, watches, cameras, rings, jewelry, that kind of thing, make sure that they're within the um, uh, de minimis underwriting limit so that they're included by default or itemize them as well. And when it comes to valuable things like jewelry or paintings and things, sometimes things are valuable to you as an individual rather than monetary. Take photographs of them, keep a log of them, get them valued, and keep this information together with the insurance document. And I generally suggest to everyone, have some kind of fireproof safe, not necessarily security, but just fireproof. So if something happens to the house, it burns down, at least they're going to be kept, kept safe. But having photographs and a log of what you bought, where you bought it, and there's the receipt, makes life so much easier if you have a significant claim whereby you have to provide evidence for things. Yeah, and I guess that these days as well, we can store a lot of that kind of thing online too. That'd be a, like a fail safe. Yeah, absolutely. And that'd be a great thing too, because obviously it's not on your computer. It's up in the cloud, up in the ether. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> okay. So I think it, it's worth saying then that to anyone that doesn't work in the industry, insurance isn't really considered fun. It's one of those things that, you know, you, you mentioned just there, the small print and making sure you're covered and, and looking after that stuff. But this stuff can be really, really important. And we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what's going to happen with our lives. And, and as you've said, the situation we may leave behind or find ourselves in at, at the same time with our, our kids and our families. Um, yeah. And it is worth just taking an afternoon or whatever it is and just looking at this stuff seriously and just double checking where you're up to. I completely agree, Paul, completely agree. It's just, it's kind of like a once a year job. Once a year, okay, sit down with your partner, significant other, right, not a great conversation, but if I were to die, what do we want to happen? Let's make sure the mortgage is paid. Let's make sure we've got this much money coming in. Does our life cover situation meet that need? Great. Are the trustees still alive? Are we still talking to them? Is it written in trust? Great. If you haven't got it, I'd say go to Lexo, fill in the form, email it off to us, and let's just start a dialogue. Or go online anywhere. This isn't a, a tout for business. Just, just get the stuff arranged. Um, go online, get a quote, or go and speak to your local financial advisor or something and see if they can help you. But um, having these things in place, just a once-a-year review, that's all I do once a year. I generally do it in January, but it doesn't really make any sense when you do it. Um, and just make sure things are in line and then put them in the file, put them in the safe, close the door, forget about them, and go and enjoy your weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Anything else, Paul? Is that, am I uh, I think, uh, yeah, really good overview there. Yeah, just, yeah, good, good to have a, a, a bit more of an idea of, of how these things should be done. Brilliant. Okay, and if you are listening, please, 
reach out to us. That was actually as a result of one of our callers explained um, a, a question to me, uh, and they'd been suggesting this 10 times around and stuff, so I thought I'd do a, a session on this. Um, if you have any questions, ping me an email, social media, direct message me, whatever it might be, at the bottom of the YouTube video, and uh, we'll make sure we cover it. But in the uh, event of that, make sure you have a wonderful weekend, and I'll speak to you next week. Take care. Bye, Paul. Thanks, Warren.